Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, so that makes you a member of our dedicated community of small firm architects. Come join us on Facebook. I think you're going to love this, the Entree Architect community. It's our free private Facebook group. If you are an architect, request free membership right now at entrearchitect.com slash group. You are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 215. Welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you may be an experienced small firm architect just like me, just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. If you are interested in becoming an architect developer, this is the episode that you've been waiting for. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, a step-by-step guide to becoming an architect developer with Danny Cerezo of CS Design. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at RCAT.com, and FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, 
fast and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. Danny Cerezo, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, good it's to good, good to have you back. Uh, you're, a, you're a good friend. You're a, you're a member of Entree Architect Academy for a long time. Um, you're, you're constantly sharing your knowledge, and I love that. Um, and so thank you for coming back. You've been here before. You've been here on episode 126, sharing your successful technologies for an architect startup, talking all about different software packages that you use to, to run your firm. That's episode 126, if anybody's interested in going back to, to listen to that. Let me introduce you to the people who may not know who you are. Uh, Danny Cerezo was originally from New York City, not too far from me, a couple minutes yep. from me here. Uh, but a long time ago, moved to the other end of the world. Uh, he went to uh, to L.A., and he's been there ever since in Los Angeles, California. Uh, received a bachelor's degree in architecture from USC and a master's degree from Woodbury, San Diego, where he studied under architect developers Jonathan, Jonathan Siegel, which most people who are uh, listening to this podcast probably know who, who Jonathan Siegel and Ted Smith, both sort of. Uh, famed architect developers or or infamous, <laughs> depending on how you look at them, John, Jonathan, especially Jonathan. Uh, and and Danny's also a licensed general contractor and has recently started a contracting firm uh, with a development partner. Uh, and he's now designing and building, I think you're at the end stages, right, of a, of a development project as an architect. Uh, and then we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about architect developer. It's a, it's a topic that listeners are constantly talking about constantly requesting everybody's as an architect and i don't know if everybody but but the majority of of small firm architects in our community um sort of fantasize about the idea of not only designing and building but developing yourself you know creating your own projects um and and going through the process of building it and and financing it and profiting from it and so it's exciting to to have you here um, you also did a, a master class, one of our master classes inside Entree Architect Academy for our private membership. Uh, so m any members out there who are listening, you have access to that uh, to that session. I think it was back in March of 2017. Danny went through the whole process of architect developer um, in in the uh, in, you can check that out at the master class archives. So you can go check that out. So, Danny, I'm not going to go because you were here, episode 126. You did a full origin story, talked about how you got to where you are. Um, but talk mm -hmm. about a little bit about who you are, sort of introduce yourself, introduce your firm and what you're doing, and then we'll roll right into architect developer. So, um, we're a, a small firm, a very, very much like you guys, husband and wife firm here in LA. And uh, around 2008, um, I decided that I wanted to pursue the architect as developer route. And so I did attend that, um, that one year, uh, grad program with Jonathan Siegel. And, and so today, um, what we do is we're kind of, uh, you know, one foot in one world and one foot in the other. So we still practice uh, like a traditional small firm where we, where we do projects, um, you know, you know, quote unquote for Mr. and Mrs. Jones. And then at the, uh, in the other half of our time, <clears throat> we spend partnering with developers, um, and, and doing our own projects. And, um, I mean, that, 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 that's essentially how we, how we operate here at CS design. Yeah. It, and I, the first thing I want to ask you sure. is you went from traditional architecture, which right. is what, what I'm doing and many of our right. listeners are doing. 
and you you had this idea you had this dream of becoming an architect developer um let's before we get into the the nuts and bolts of it mm-hmm. let's let's talk a little bit about the psychology of it how did you get past the idea how did you take that leap how did you jump off the cliff essentially to become an architect developer how did you get past the psychology of of making that big decision to just do something you're comfortable with to actually pulling the the trigger on this okay um well i have to go back a little bit so uh, for for those who who may have heard the the previous episode i was in the in the navy for for quite a while i got out in 2006 um and i went to work uh through a, a professor of mine from usc i went to work for a developer um, and I saw what they were now they were doing a, a huge project, a master development, um, you know, not just a small little, you know, four unit project like the one we're going to talk about today. And um, I saw what developing, you know, I got a, I got a bit a little taste of what developing was all about. And, and I think, you know, living here in L.A., you see so much development that is not necessarily attractive development. And so I don't know, I think I it just kind of, I started saying to myself, why didn't somebody develop something a little bit nicer, you know, or a little bit more architecturally, um, you know, significant. And, and, and then that kind of led into, well, you know, why, why can't I do that? Why don't architects do that? And then uh, I, I don't know if it was through Google or through talking to, um, um, colleagues, but I found out that, you know, there were these people out there who, who were architects and developers. And I've always been the kind of guy that says, well, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I go work for a big firm nine to five. I mean, if that, if, if this doesn't go very well for me. So I said, well, let's just take the plunge and, 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 and see what could happen. So um, I worked part time while attending the grad program. Um, for this developer, and and yeah, and and I haven't looked back since, and it's been working very well. It's just a matter of basically saying, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, and just going yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, educating and, yourself and sort of yeah. just jumping. Yeah, right. my right. my first episode of the podcast, uh, it's episode zero, you know, right. and it talks about it was, it was my twelve 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 project. Uh, was was relaunching Entree Architect and starting this podcast, right. and and that was my philosophy too. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Let's just jump off the cliff and, exactly. you know, and learn how yeah. to fly as you're going. Exactly, you know? and that's yeah, what you I just got to go for. It. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, the end result is going to be good, and there's going to be tough times, and there's going to be failures, and there's going to be yes. things that you don't want to happen, but oh, yes. it will never happen if you don't start it. And if that's you don't exactly try. right. That's exactly so right. It's uh, it's uh, it's a it's a good message. Um, so where do we start? We're, let's 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 say you know people are here to listen to to they want to jump off that cliff. Um, where where do they start? What's the first thing they should do? Uh, and in my particular case, and for those who who attended the master class, um, you know I, I, I don't have any money. I, I, I you know didn't have an inheritance or anything like that that I could um, um, you know fall back on or anything like that. So. I knew, I mean, here, here I was in 2009, I graduated, so now I had this knowledge and, and I wanted to do this. And the question was how, I didn't have any money. Um, so th- the natural thing for me to do, and it's what I recommend that, that um, those are in the same position as me do, is to find a partner, someone that you can partner with. Um, and in my particular case, this developer that I had um, gone to work for, <clears throat> 
was willing to do that, was willing to kind of do some smaller projects. Um, and they obviously had the funds and the equity to, to, you know, do these projects. And so, I mean, so basically what I'm saying is find somebody that has money. Um, and I know that's maybe easier said than done, um, but that's how I did it. So, so that's why I'm saying, um, you know, that's what I, I suggest people do. And, and you may not know who has that, that equity or that funding or the willingness to do that. It could be a previous client, could be a relative, um, or a friend. Um, you know, it, it, it really depends, but, yeah. but that's how I got started. It doesn't have to be a developer. I mean, you, you happen, yeah. you yeah, happen to partner to with a developer, right. somebody who has experience, but it, you know, it could be aunt Sally, you know, aunt Sally's got, right. you know, a that's couple right. hundred thousand sitting in the bank and you know, she wants to help you out. You know, all you need and is the money, be, right? And it could be a very simple project at the beginning. It could be a simple, you know, a flip where you, know, you yeah. buy something, you're fixing it up, maybe adding some square footage to it, and then you turn it around for a profit. And 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 that just starts to build momentum. You start to um, build a network and connections and, you know, you'll get to where you're trying to go. Yeah. So if you identify a few people who, who potentially could become partners, um, yes. how do you prepare yourself? as the architect to show them that you have the skills and the, and the ability to take their money and turn it into more money. Yeah. Th th this is a, this is a, a, a much harder task. Yeah. Um, and, and in my particular case, it was obviously that program that I, that I took at Woodbury. Um, but you have to, you have to learn how to, uh, uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. So you have to learn, you know, the, the, the fundamentals of real estate development. You have to learn how to do a pro forma. You have to learn how to talk about risks, and what are the different, uh, you know, potential pitfalls that uh, the project could have? You have to be familiar with comps. If you're going to do Project X, you have to be able to talk about well, what other Project X's are being done, and how are they doing? And maybe your, you know, your idea is crazy. Um, so you have to, you have to um, definitely build up a, a, a base set of tools and knowledge in order to be able to convince them. And, and you know, the number one tool is obviously the pro forma, which is basically just, you know, if we put in a dollar and we get out two dollars and then we've made a dollar, you know, and it's obviously much more complex than that. But you need to somehow figure out a way to convey that to um, the, the, the people that you're hoping will fund your development. And you you've written a series on on this process on medium, yes. super valuable, super interesting. It's at medium.com slash at the at symbol at CS Design LA. Um, mm -hmm. So you can search that CS Design LA and you'll find uh, Danny's. He breaks it down step by step all the way through the process. So I would definitely suggest that you go there and check that out. Um, it, so you can you have to educate yourself. You have to understand Absolutely. what you what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Um, you need to put together a pro forma and what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you can get that through, you know, Jonathan Siegel has a program that he offers. There's some, there are, there are universities that offer programs that show you how to do development. There's online versions that, that, mm -hmm. that do it. Danny's series teaches quite a bit about that. Um, but so you need to understand that. Could you just really quickly explain for the people who don't know, I didn't know, uh, when I first started what a pro forma is and how, you know, you don't have to get into the details of it, but basically sure. what is it? A pro forma is just it's it's typically a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, which basically shows um, what it would cost to do Project X, where that money comes from, 
what the return will be on that project and where that money comes from, either a rental project or a for sale project, and then what everybody gets, what's their split. Um, that, that's essentially it in a nutshell. It's, it's, you know, how much are you putting in? How much are you getting out? And is it 60, 40, 50, 50, 70, 30, whatever it is. Um, and of course there's a lot of formulas and there's a lot of data that goes into that, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a storyboard, right? That's right. It's, it's a that's spreadsheet right. storyboard. It's the story right. of your project from the very beginning to the very end. How, right. how is it going to happen? Where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to go? What's going to come out the other end? And who's going to get it? Basic, it, it basically says this is going to be an amazing project, and here's why. Yeah. And 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 it's the numbers. And it has it has to say that that has to be right. the story, right? Because if it doesn't, then it doesn't work. That's right. And nobody's going to invest in. in and, That's right. And it has to be truthful. You know, that can't be a you know can't be a fictional story. That's correct. <laughs> it has to be That's a fact, fact, factual story. Uh, okay, great. So so we put together uh, all we gained that knowledge. We've put together uh, the, the pro forma. We've identified someone we've convinced them that we're going to do this through the knowledge that we have and the pro forma that we have what's the what's the first step do we do do we go out and start digging <laughs> or do we 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 need some land right i mean that's the probably the that, first step so how do we how do we the first step how do we acquire um, that land how do we identify and, it and then how do we actually get it yeah that, that could be a whole course right there uh, on 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 market acquisition and 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 whatever one thing is i would suggest is to stay local. Um, uh, Jonathan Siegel has a great quote, if you can't get to it in 15 minutes, it's too far. And and that's because you really are familiar with the 15 minutes around you. You know what's going up, what's going down, what what, what neighborhood is hot, what corner is good, you know, th those kinds of things. And then once you find the land, and typically, you know, it, it's not going to be a for sale sign or something like that. It may You may have to use real estate agents and approach the, the current owner uh, you know, there's a million ways to try to, uh, uh, you know, reach out to a seller to get it. Um, but then it comes down to, okay, so you find this this lot, um, like in, in, in the case of this one project that we're doing, it was two lots, um, total value 1.4 million. And obviously we didn't have $1.4 million. And so you have to borrow the money. And um, in this particular case, there were two loans. One was given through the seller and the other one was given through the bank. And um, you can get as creative as you want with how you acquire the land, but that's really the first step. And and I wouldn't suggest paying all cash. You know that, that that's just not smart. Um, you want to leverage the money that you have, the the small equity that you do have. And in this particular case, that's how we did it. Um, so uh, we got an interest-only loan to for one of the lots. And then the other one, as I said, was seller financing, which basically the seller, you know, deeds you the land and then you have to pay them back in a certain amount of time. So they basically hold a mortgage instead right. of the bank. They're right. holding they're holding the, They Correct. still own it and you're going to pay it off over time. Correct. And so these are two um, adjacent lots. Is that what these are two adjacent lots, which we then um, uh, so they each had a single family. Well, one was half demolished. Um, but they basically each had a single family home and we were not going to do four single family homes. So you're going to build a multi-unit building. Actually, no, they're, they're fee simple homes. So each one is, is you know, that we're subdividing the land as well. So it's a little bit more intensive a process. So that way you could literally buy one lot and one okay. home. So we're turning two lots into four lots. Got it. Okay. Got it. All right. And so that you, you're, you've, that's one of the benefits of 15 minute perimeter. 
is because Correct. you know the zoning of that area too. That's so you right. can go see that. You can see those two lots. You can you know because you're familiar with the zoning code that th those two lots are oversized. They can be subdivided. Those two lots can become four lots. Um, and f and 15 minutes is about, I don't know, 10, 15 mile perimeter, right? If you draw a circle around where you are, That's 15 right. minutes, it's, you know, it's about 15 yeah. miles away. Yeah. Um, so you can get a sense of what's around you within 15 minutes, within 15 miles um, to see what, you know, where you might start looking for those, those properties. <laughs> And in this particular, I remember when when the developer, um, who, who's a friend of mine, his name is John, um, came to me and and said, you know, uh, these two lots were available, and and this was all. It wasn't on the market. It was, you know, I guess you can call it a pocket listing. The the amount of 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 analysis that you have to do really fast at the beginning is something that you get good at as, as you go. So we looked at the lot. Okay. We, we, we did the proverbial little napkin sketch. How many can we fit? What's the square footage, you know, and then quickly saying, okay, well, it's going to cost this much to build and it's going to, it's basically a mental pro forma. And then we're going to, they can sell for this much and they can, and you say, okay, well, this is going to work or no, I don't think this is going to work. You have to do that very quickly at the beginning, especially knowing that there are other developers and whatnot that are out there um, also, you know, it, it, you know, this is Los Angeles is a very competitive place. So, you know, those lots weren't going to be available forever. So those skills as you as you do one project, as you do the next project, will will get refined and, and you'll get much better at them as you go. Yeah, and it, in this it, particular case, the, the numbers worked. Yeah. Which, which is why it's so important to have that education up front. Right. You can't you can't say, oh, there's a piece of property. Let me go back to the office and look up right. what I need to know and then start yeah. doing the calculations and the spreadsheet and then go back and say, oh, here's and then put the offer in. Well, it's already gone. The developer gone. who did it it's in gone. his head offered the money and they they, That's right. they bought it. That's right. Yeah. So 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 you go through that process. You do that mental calculation. You see that it's a good value. So what do you do now? Do you just you just put in a verbal offer, or do you do a, a in in this particular case? It was it was through the agents and and yeah, and through the through the two sellers. And um, you 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 can give them a verbal offer. It's better to give them a, like a letter of intent or or a an, you know an offering, um, in in writing, just kind of setting out the terms. You know, I'm willing to give you this much and pay this much interest and pay you back. In this case, they each were going to be paid back in 12 months. Um, one of the good things was that one of the homes had some renters in them who were paying uh, $3,000 a month to live there. And if you if you took the interest only loan, the monthly payment, and then the seller finance monthly payment, it was less than $3,000. So it was almost, you know, you didn't yeah. even have to put out money during those 12 months to to basically tie up these two these two lots. It was just a, it was just a you know, a very fortunate set of events there. How did how did you go about with the owner financing? Was that something that you proposed in your in your in your proposal, or is that something that was being advertised that it was available for owner financing? I, I don't think it was being advertised, and, and this is more a question for for John. Um, uh, he, he was more intimate into that conversation with this particular person, um, but uh, I, I I would bet knowing um, John that it, he brought it up. Yeah, he had he understood that that was a possibility. Correct. In the, in the proposal, you with some finesse offer, offer that as part of yes. the part of the deal, yeah. probably in the process of negotiation. So he's getting and, something, and you're getting something. 
without getting too much into seller financing, the advantage to the seller is that if, you, if you're selling a lot for a million dollars, I can give you a million dollars today. But if you do seller financing and you just wait a little bit, you'll get your million dollars plus. Plus, yeah, plus interest. interest. Right. Plus, if you can just wait a little bit. And in yeah. this case, it was 12 months. Yeah. And that's that's one of the benefits of partnering up with somebody like John, who who's done right. it, who knows the, right. the world, you know, knows right. knows the network. That's right. why it's important. You had mentioned before building right. your network and who you know and what you know, because those are the, and you said you know the pocket the pocket property that's that's an Correct. unlisted piece of property Correct. that's for sale that's not listed. It's not on on the multiple listing, so the the agents don't know it yet. So you can jump in there and grab that piece of property before it ever is ever is advertised. I definitely could not have done this without partnering. Um, there's just there's just no way. And I think that's that's definitely one takeaway that I would like people to get from the podcast is that unless you really have just $2 million burning a hole in your pocket somewhere, you, you probably should try to partner and, and partner with the right person. So that way, you know, you can take off. Yeah. And it's not forever, right? It's no, the partnering no. is to get started. It's a jump sure. start. Right? That's right. Yeah. So you do one or two projects with a partner mm -hmm. and you and you mm -hmm. eventually evolve into having enough funding yourself, having enough knowledge yourself, having a big enough network to do it yourself. Yeah. But it's a great way to, to get in. It's really the only way to successfully do this is yeah. to start with somebody who knows what they're doing, has that right. experience, has that that leverage mm -hmm. uh, and, and partner with them. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect. RCAT, and FreshBooks. For years, when I needed information on manufacturers' products, I headed straight to the internet, straight to google.com. And then I sifted through the hundreds of results, maybe thousands of results, to find the one or two that might be the link that I'm looking for. And more often than not, it wasn't. It wasn't what I was looking for, or it was outdated, or didn't meet my requirements. So what do I do? I go back to the search engine, and I start all over again. And this could take all afternoon to find the one or two or three products that I'm looking for. Does this sound familiar? Do you do this? There is a better way. Our friends at RCAT. RCAT.com, A-R-C-A-T. Find what you're looking for in seconds. Building product information, BIM, CAD, custom specifications using their exclusive tool, SpecWizard, and keep it all online right there in one place using their cloud-based project organization tool, Charette. Here's an idea. Make RCAT a part of your efficient project workflow. Use it on every project. Just type in entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. That's entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Type that into your internet browser and add it to your favorites. And then on every project, use RCAT. Just click that link. You'll go straight to RCAT and you'll find everything that you're looking for in seconds. Find what you need fast and make more money on every project. EntreeArchitect.com slash RCAT. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. And getting started with FreshBooks, this is so ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. It's a click of a button. The same goes for tracking time, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. It's simple, fast, easy, life-changing. And if you need help at any time, 
free award-winning customer service is a phone call or an email away. I've used it, it works. And if you ever have second thoughts, don't worry. On top of their free trial for Entree Architect listeners, you get a free 30-day money-back guarantee so you don't ever have to worry about choosing fresh books. So give it a try. It's free for 30 days. Just visit entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks to access your free unlimited 30-day trial. So our cat and FreshBooks, please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Um, so, so you go through that process, you, you mm -hmm. put in the offer, uh, right. offers accepted, right. you, you now have, you have acquired the land. Correct. Um, and so and, what's, and, go ahead. So what's next is we have 12 months now that we have to, we have to pay these two individuals back. Clock is ticking. That's right. And the way we know we're going to pay them back is with a construction loan. So that means we have 12 months to design and permit the project and go out and get a construction loan. So the clock is ticking. So for those t next 12 months, it's it's a race. You, know, you got to design the project. Um, in this particular case, we're subdividing land. So we added a whole nother process, public hearings, that sort of thing. Um, and and then go to a bank and, and try to get a, a construction loan. Um, in the interim, you know, there's a lot of fees that have to be paid, including us as the architects. Um, and this is where, um, where we participate in the development. So our fee was basically loaned to the development um, as, through a promissory note, um, which basically says, you know, we, we will get paid on the back end. And that's how we're participating in the in the in the development. And that's how I would suggest that um, everyone else um, or it's one way of doing it. Um, there's, uh, again, uh, many ways to skin the cat. And the the other fees, you know, the structural engineer, the soils engineer, you know, permits, fees, all that. You, you do need equity to pay for that. In this particular case, it was about eight hundred thousand dollars. And so that has to be borrowed. And so now you have to reach out um, uh, to other sources of funding, and it's probably going to be private equity, meaning just you know somebody who has money to lend. Um, and this is where you can get creative and say, hey, lend me two hundred thousand dollars, and I'll give you fifteen percent, you know, or you know some share of the profit um, at the back end. Um, and so we did that, got got raised that money. Um, we're able to get through the permitting and, 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 and uh, design process. And then it's time to go to the bank and get that construction loan. And so, so, so you go, you, for one, you're leveraging your fee, right? Correct. And so, Correct. so you come to the table because you have skills and a Correct. license and, and something that others don't, that your partner may not have. You can Correct. take your fee that you would typically, a client would typically pay you and Correct. you can say, hey, you know, banker, you know, I, I have value here. And right. then, and so you're, you're putting that into your pro forma. That's your value. And then you're going to get paid at the back end when it's all done. That's um, correct. And then you're going to borrow the money, the rest of the money for the rest of the fees from someone else, another party. And you're saying, give them some equity in the deal in order yes. to give them some incentive to let you borrow that money to pay off those people. And then, right. so, so you, you're, you're doing all of this work 
you're you're designing it, you're permitting it, ready for construction, and then Correct. you go get a construction loan. Yes, and then you're getting a construction loan for the whole project, and then paying back the people that yes. the clock is ticking on. Yes, this is the great thing is that the construction loan that you get. So let's say, and just using round numbers, this yeah. is a two million dollar construction cost. You don't go get a two million dollar construction loan. You go get, at least in our case, we tried to get a four million dollar construction loan. And that's to cover the cost of the land because we have to pay back those two sellers, you know, within those 12 months. We have to pay back the $800,000 that we borrowed for all of the fees. And then we have to pay for construction. Now, that would have been a 100% loan, right? And no bank's going to do that. So what they'll usually do is lend you 75% of the total. Of, and this fluctuates depending on the bank, depending on who you are. You know, it could be 60, 65, 70. But the, but the thing is, is that in this particular case, we bought, we were able to borrow 75% of the total development cost. And now we had the permit in hand and we had the loan. The first thing we did before we start construction is we got to get those sellers out. We got to get, we got to pay them because we only had 12 months. Right. And we're, and if you, if you did it right, you're right at about the 12 month mark and you pay them their, 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 the price that they wanted for the land plus the interest that you negotiated and now they're out and the, and the, what you have left is for construction and that's it. And, and if you, if you borrowed a dollar, that's all you have. You cannot go over, you know, it's really, and that's what, this is another skill that you have to learn is where sometimes you may have to sacrifice some of that beautiful architecture that you designed during that 12 months because yeah. you only were able to borrow a dollar and that's all you now have. you're a developer. That's it. And then you have to see the, the, the dreaded value engineering that you have to yeah. do in order to make the project work. Because everybody else is going to have to get paid at the end. That's right. The pro forma that's says right. your partner's going to get paid and these investors are going to get paid. And this first project, you not you may not make a lot, right? At the that's end right. of this first, yeah. this first project is the beginning of a future for you. And that's so right. this is sort of investing in, in gaining this knowledge, in, in gaining the experience, gaining a little bit, hopefully if the pro forma works out, gaining a little bit of profit on your end, um, getting your fee back, you know, getting paid your fee. Yeah. Um, but, and, and it's not easy, right? It's, it's not. There's a lot, well, even at this point, you haven't even put the shovel in the ground yet. An entire year of going back and forth, lots of mental calculations, lots of mm -hmm. real calculations, <laughs> lots of risk, lots of, personalities and people and demanding, you know, I want my money now. Why didn't you give me my money? And you haven't even dug a hole yet. I, yeah. And, and, and I haven't even touched upon, and these are some, this goes back to the original question with the other things that you need to learn. You know, there's LLCs that you have to form operating agreements that you have to do, you know, there's risk. So you need insurance and there's different forms of insurance. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that have to be done. Um, but, but again, the pro forma is what, is what really you always fall back on it, You've been selling it from day one. You sold it to the sellers. Look, look at, look at what I'm going to, because those sellers have to believe that you're going to pay them back in 12 months. Right. And who are you and how do I know I can trust you? And, you know, and, um, you know, then you got to convince the bank that you can, um, you know, pay them back. So, so yeah, it, it's, it's a lot to do, but I, I got to tell you, Mark, it's, 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 it's a thrill ride. It's fantastic. <laughs> so now, so now you're at the point you've, you've paid off the, the buyer, the sellers. They're, Correct. they're happy. They've gotten their money. They're, they're, they're living yep, they're in Tahiti out. with their, with their money. Yeah. They, you now own this piece of property. These, 
right. two parcels and it's been subdivided and it's all ready to go. You've gotten this construction loan from the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, now what? Now what's you you start digging? So them? now typically these construction loans are eighteen months, so you have to pay them back so within another eighteen. Cl- another months. clock starts. Yeah, and, and another clock starts. Now, now this is a for sale project in this particular case. If it's going to be a rental project, it's a little different. Um, but in this particular case, 18 months. So you start construction. Uh, we hired a general contractor. Um, and by the way, this one of the reasons we started a GC company at the end of the year last year was because we want to be the general contractor and try to cut out another middleman. Which, which you're not doing on this job. This, not doing this, on this job, job. You've no. hired a general contractor to, to build the project. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. <clears throat> and so, yeah, we're moving forward with, with the construct. We're about three months away from completion, um, and I think we will be at 15 months at that point. So, 15 month construction period, and um, then it's so what we're doing now, since we're about three months from completion is we're starting to do our, our, I mean, we've been doing it all throughout, but now really refining is the marketing um, because now we have to sell these things. And it turns out that the market here in LA has just, you know, done very, very well and prices have, have um, increased. And so the performer's gotten better yeah. um, from the time that we started to today. Which, which is part of the risk too, right? Because and, and it, it could yes, be worse, right? It could have went the other right? way. We, we right. could have gone into a recession this past year and, you know, and, and 25% of the value of what you just purchased is gone. In, yes. In, in, so that's part of it too. There's risk and, and timing and, you know, that's some right. fortune telling and, you know, mm-hmm. and then some of it is, you know, look at what happened, you know, life is good and it's all <laughs> look good. Look how smart we are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, so, so I, um, I had a question I forgot. Okay. Keep going. Uh, so what's the next step? So you, so, so now after, after obviously we done, we're done and we get our, our certificates of occupancy, we put them on the market. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll sell them for the prices that we're thinking that we can. And so now you've got this huge influx of revenue coming in from the sale of, of the four homes. And, and then it's all about just paying back two parties, which is basically the bank who gave us the construction loan. And then those folks that lent us the money for the soft cost, that $800,000, yep. whatever's left, is left and that that goes to the developer um you and, and your i get I, i'm last yeah. um you'll probably be last um in line um and, and that's I'll, all part of the pro forma you know that from day one that's right you, you can know that from the out. beginning you know you know what the pecking order is of who's yeah. going to get paid and um you know and we'll get our fee plus the interest that we negotiated over over time and then that'll be that the, the the and I just remember what I was going to ask you the during construction. So once you get that construction loan and you hire a general contractor, is that process much different? Is there anything different between you know doing it as a developer and doing it as an architect being hired? Other than you know obviously you're paying yourself. I, I think the only difference is is that you are way more involved. Um, let's say for example on a typical project you, you may be providing CA services and you you know you answer an RFI here and there and you know you you, you know, review some shop drawings and you you know you attend a couple of site meetings um, you know however intense yeah. you do that here it's much more involved I mean I, I'm I go to the job sites every week at least once a week sometimes more um, there are no RFIs by the way which is great because 
you're there and you just go, well, what's your question? Let's just do this. And you can handle it right then and there on the spot. Um, Typically because of the fact that, you know, it's kind of, you know, you're the, you know, architects get sued a lot by clients, right? By the developers. But in this case, you are the developer and the client. So you're not really going to show you this, you know, you don't have the huge paper trail and all that stuff. We do have the GC, which we have to kind of still treat as a third party, but it's essentially the same other than you are more involved on yeah. a day-to-day so is is the more is, is the more involvement because this is your baby and you want to make sure it's right or is there something else about the process and the development process that that really requires you to be there more i think it's both a, a part of it is yeah because it's your baby and and you want to see it go up and you're way more vested into yeah. it um than than a typical you know architect owner agreement um which, by the way, is one of the selling points that you should try to sell when you're looking when you're looking to partner with a developer and say, hey, because because the developer could say, hey, why should I pay you one hundred thousand dollars? Why should I pay you one hundred thousand dollars plus interest? I can just go hire X Y Z firm. They can design this thing for one hundred thousand dollars, and I'm out. And uh, you know, right. why should I pay you one hundred thousand dollars plus interest? And you say, well, because I'm going to be invested. I'm going to be vested in the project. I'm going to I'm going to care about this project way more than the X Y Z firm because I'm very interested in it succeeding and, and, you know, and then obviously getting me my return at the end. But so, so it's, so part of it, yeah, is that it's your baby. But another part of it is, is that, you know, you know, the pro forma and, and you know what the parameters are uh, of what can make this project fail or succeed. Yeah. And having been there from the very beginning, um, and, and gone through the whole process, you know, where this thing hinges on and then, you know, and, and so you kind of have to be there and have to be involved to make sure that it stays, you know, it doesn't go off the rails, you know, it stays on, on track. So, and it comes, comes with territory. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you have it, it's, so let's say you, it's all built and it's ready to go and you started your planning for marketing. What are you mm-hmm. doing for marketing and how are you planning to sell these four houses? Um, well, uh, throughout the project, we've been, um, you know, on social media, you know, every now and then posting on Instagram, posting on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, the developer also has his own, um, handles and, 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 and social media, um, footprint. Um, but a lot of it is also your real estate agents. Um, you got to pick some good ones, um, who can get the word out, um, you know, there's already been interest, you know, as people have driven by and seen it go and seen it go up and, and, yep. and you know, signs and right. all that. Hey, what's going on here? And, you know, um, you know, you gotta have that sign out there and, um, it, you know, there's going to be a big open house and, 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 you know, that sort of thing. But it, it, it's, this happens to be in a, in Hollywood, this project is in Hollywood, um, very dense area. So it's got good exposure. Um, this is again about that 15 minutes. Yep. If if we didn't know if we had gone into an area that we didn't know, we may have we may unwittingly pick the worst corner in the world and nobody sees the project and nobody wants to live there. So, you know, that all kind of comes back to that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's going to be. Yeah, that's market. going that's going to be my challenge. I have uh, Anne Marie and I have property in North Carolina that we are going to develop. We've acquired mm-hmm. the property already, um, mm-hmm. but it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's, it's in, it's just South of Charlotte, North Carolina. It's in a great location mm-hmm. uh, and it's growing. And in 10 years, it's going to be in the middle of, you know, you know, the development, right. um, or, or less than that. 
but as it's being built, it's not on the corner of, you know, <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. It's right. it's in the middle of the woods out in the country in horse farms. And so I think when we do, when we start doing this project, it's going to be a lot of social media, probably yeah. some video, um, yeah. fo- you know, following the people are going to follow the progress of, of these projects that we're going to do. Um, and, you know, build in the, these sellers before the project is built uh, in, in the way we present it while it's being built. That's our plan anyway. We'll see how that works. The great thing about the pro forma is that you can build all of that into the pro forma. So, for example, knowing that it's maybe not Sunset Boulevard and it's not the hot spot or whatever you, term you want to use, you build that into your assumption portion of your pro forma. You can't assume that it's going to get you know, a thousand dollars per square foot or whatever it is, you, 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 you know, you dial it back a notch because of the fact that you're here. And so when someone says, Hey, Mark, you know, this project is out in the boonies, you know, why, why would I want to, and you say, well, I've accounted for that, you know, yeah. look at, look at how I've accounted for that. And, and so, you know, a, it shows that, you know, you're, you're, you're aware of the fact of your location and B you, you, you show that even with those, um, you know, with that issue, the pro forma still works. Yeah, yeah, and you could put in costs for that as well, right? Yeah, that's so right. If you're putting in your architectural fees, you could put your marketing fees in to that as well. I can get paid uh-huh. for that marketing uh-huh. that I'm doing at yeah. the back end. It could be a value that we get paid for at the end. That's right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, where are you now? Let's, you know, sort of let's go back to your project because we're going to wrap up here. Uh, where are okay. you now, and where do you hope to be when this when this is all done? And then, what's your next step? Because this is your first project. This is the beginning of the rest of what you do. How are you going to end this one and where are you going on the next one? Well, it's funny because we started this one in late 2015, I want to say. And we are framing the second one now. We're on the second floor framing the second one. We have another one that we're about to um, submit for permits. Uh, let's see, looking at my calendar here in, in early April, mid-April. Um and um, we're, you know, we, we we have the GC company, and we're now starting to look at larger projects. Um, you know, Los Angeles just passed a, uh, you know, in the state of California passed a lot of housing initiatives, and so we're starting to look at those. And um, you know, we're looking at moving on to larger apartment projects. Um, you know, there's a high demand for apartments um, here in LA, and so we're going to start rent, right? Which you would, which you would rent. So different, so. different. Maybe we'll come back yeah. and talk about yes, that. Yes, it's a different. That's a different ball game. Selling versus renting. The money flows there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the next step for us. Is, so with your current project, you have four houses being built. You've built one, right? That's what you just said. So you you've built one. You started a second. Actually, this this project here, um, this will be because I had a I partnered with another developer. It's going back to that that big developer going back to two thousand six. Um, so this one here, I think, is God fourth or fifth, uh, first with this particular partner, but um, fourth or fifth that I've worked on. And, and as a matter of fact, this guy that I, I that I that I partnered with, he bought one of the houses from a previous project that I partnered on. He's he was one of the owners, and then you know we became friends, and and yeah, that's how that um, took off. But yeah, so we're you know, we're, we're, we're moving along in a good clip, I would say. Yeah. So, so, so you're taking, so each project, yes. this is what I'm trying to get to is, yes. is with each project, you're, you're gaining more knowledge, you're making more money. Are you taking Correct. most of that money or all of that money and rolling, rolling it into the next project? 
And how much are you, I mean, are you benefiting, are you pulling some of it out for yourself? How are you, and this may be a personal question, you don't have to answer it, but. No, 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 that's fine. So, so in this particular case, so with this project, once it's, once it sells, um, obviously we're, we're, we're you know, we're going to get, I guess the big payday, right? At some yeah. point. And so part of that is just going to go to savings, you know, just to, you know, always have that nest egg. And then the other part, yeah, the idea is to now, um, um, you know, contribute more to the, to the development, contribute more to the, to the pro forma yeah. and become a bigger, um, stakeholder in the deal. And obviously, you know, for obvious reasons. And, um, the idea is to eventually, you know, have enough of those paydays, um, and then, you know, and hopefully always be ready, you know, you know, uh, what's the saying about opportunity and luck and preparedness? I, I don't know what it is, but the idea is if something comes along that I, you know, that I may say, Hey, you know, wait a minute, this may be the one that I can do, right. you know, just Pamela and I, you know, we want to be ready for that. And so that's kind of right. So know, with every project, you're, with every you're project, you, yes. you end up a little with a little bit more uh, investment and a little bit yes. more equity and yes. a little bit more out and the, at the back end and every time you yes. do it those the ba the balance shifts a little bit and eventually right. you're the top dog and eventually you're the one you're the developer that that's at the top of the list rather than at the bottom of the list correct that's right that's the well goal. banks will always be at the top but right, at right, least right. you'll be second yeah after, <laughs> after the banks right right well maybe someday you won't need the banks You'll be making so much, but even then, you said before, even then, you don't do it cash. You always use the banks, right? Always use the banks because it's just better. It's just smarter to leverage. Um, you know, you can take a dollar and do, and, you know, make it feel like a hundred yeah. rather than just using a hundred. Right, and plus, you could, if you had that money, you could be investing in that money elsewhere with more yeah. interest than you would have gotten by investing it in your project. That's right. Yeah. So. Very, very interesting. Um, we'd love to have you come back and talk more about selling versus yeah, renting. I, I could talk about this forever. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. And there's just so much, so much to talk about. Well, I have lots to learn for myself as well. So I definitely will, will do that. Um, your website before um, your website is C and so spelled out A N D C and S design dot com. So people can go That's check right. check these buildings out. Yeah. Um, you're on Twitter. You're on uh, Instagram. What are your handles on Twitter and Instagram? On Twitter, it's um, at CS Design LA, and for Instagram, it's C, but then the A N D is spelled out yeah. and S Design. We'll put it. We'll put it on the show notes. So just go to the show notes for the show. Yeah. You'll have. We'll have links to all that. Again, that that architect developer series on Medium, super valuable. That's something that that Danny could easily sell. It's it's there for you to to go check out for free. Medium.com back uh, forward slash at CS design LA go check those out uh, before we wrap up Danny I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow I think it's something that I did which is play a simple what if game and say what if I mean it take you 10 minutes and say what if and try to think of something that's you know maybe a little bit beyond your comfort zone and say what if i did that and then try to think about what's the worst thing that could happen if you did that and i think you'd be surprised that it's really not that bad and it may push you to say well let's do it yeah so that's, that's what i would suggest that's great advice i i would add to that 
write it down. Yeah. <laughs> write write, write that story better. out, right? What's the worst thing that could happen in words? Then uh -huh. read it back to yourself and then see how you feel about it. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, you have a handout. You put together a handout that sort of describes a whole process of, of, of development with all your numbers and everything in there. You want to just talk about that a little bit about yeah, what so that is? I, for, for this, I wanted to give uh, folks listening a, a handout for this particular project. It's, it's not so much you know, a broad overview of architect as developer, but for this particular project, and it's an Excel spreadsheet, and 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 um, I, I, you know, I've tried to make it as 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 easily, you know, understandable as I could, and it just basically, you know, gives you a project summary at the top, how much things cost, what we were expecting to sell, you know, how we, t you know, the, the price of the land, the different loans that we got, the money that we borrowed, the revenue on the back end, and what the profit is. Um, it's essentially, you know, a, a you know, a bank book of, of the project. And if anyone is interested in, in looking at it and they have some questions, they can always email me, um, or, you know, reach out to me on Twitter or whatever. And, and I can try it. but hopefully it's easy enough to follow. Um, if anybody is interested, um, they can take a look at it Yeah, you can and for you this, can, for this particular project. Yeah. It's, it's specific for this project. Um, and it's, it's a PDF, uh, download, uh, and it's sort of just you know, yes. talks about this specific project and, and has real numbers in it. So it's entrearchitect.com slash architect developer. If you go there, you can just you put in your email address and we'll email you the PDF. Entrearchitect.com slash architect developer. Um, Danny, thanks for coming back here and sharing your knowledge here at Entre Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. And again, as I always say, thank you for what you do. I don't know how you do it, but thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know how I do it either, but I, I appreciate that tremendously. Thanks. For, thanks for being part of the community. Thank you. Okay, this, this, if you are interested in becoming an architect developer, or you know someone who wants to become an architect developer, or you are an architect developer, this is the episode that you want to share. You want to share this episode with a friend because Danny just laid it straight out there. This is how you become an architect developer. And it's not easy, as Danny explained, it, there's a whole lot of work involved. But if you want to do it, this is the episode that you want to follow. This is entrearchitect.com slash episode 215, 215. Go share that with a friend. Hey, and not only do you get valuable audio content in, in with this episode, you get a downloadable worksheet. Danny breaks down this whole project that he's talking about step-by-step step with all the numbers. He's got all, he shares everything in there. So entrearchitect.com slash architect developer to download that free worksheet uh, PDF. Go check that out, entrearchitect.com slash architect developer is where you go get that. Hey, and go, don't forget, don't forget to go listen to my friends over at Archispeak and Inside the Firm, two great podcasts. Uh, if you love Entre Architect podcast, you are also going to love Archispeak and my friends over at Inside the Firm, archispeakpodcast.com and insidethefirmpodcast.com. Go subscribe right now. And the Entree Architect community on Facebook. It is by far the best, uh, probably the largest uh, small firm architect Facebook group in the world. Absolutely the most positive, most interactive. You post a question, you'll get answers. Go join the Entree Architect community on Facebook. It's a private Facebook group. It's free, but it's, it's private. You have to request membership. You have to be an architect or an architecture student 
So go check that out at entrearchitect.com slash group. And my name is Mark Arlapage, and I'm an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. That's how you're going to do it. That's how we get through this world one step at a time. Love, learn, share. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. 
gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.